Welcome to Awakening Divine Wildness, hosted by inspirational speaker and best-selling author, Mal Duane. Mal invites you to embrace your divine wildness with powerful conversations with visionary women. Listen in and learn how to move from pain and heartache to forgiveness and freedom so you can live the life you deserve. Welcome to another episode of Awakening Divine Wildness. It is such an honor for me to bring these conversations to women. And if you like what you're hearing and you're inspired by the juicy and honest dialogue that we have here, I hope you're going to go over to iTunes, give me a good rating, and give me a good review, because that makes it all happen. This episode, I am talking to one of my favorite ladies. She's a rock star in the recovery movement. She walks her talk. This girl is committed. Sherry Gava is a licensed psychotherapist and life coach who's helped hundreds of people cope with lifelong addictions, substance abuse, shopping, gambling, food, sex, love, and codependency. She has appeared on Celebrity Rehab Season 3, 4, and 5. She's been on Sober House, Celebrity Rehab Sex Addiction. And most recently, she appeared on The Robert Irvine Show. She's also been on CNN, Fox News, San Diego, Martha Stewart, Jay Thomas, and Sirius XM Radio. Sherry has a book called The Law of Sobriety, but another book coming soon she's going to tell us about. And it's about recovery from addiction and alcoholism. She's also been published in Chicken Soup for the Soul, Cosmopolitan Magazine, Los Angeles Times, The Huffington Post, Hollywood Life, E! Online, Radar Online, and the New York Daily News. So this is one serious girl having conversation about recovery. Sherry, I love working with you. We've been together before, and I'm, I'm just so honored that you're fitting us in today. I know how busy you are and, you know, all the work that you've got going on out on the West Coast. So uh, I'm really excited because you're on to a new topic and about love addiction, which is something I think very few people understand. They confuse it with sex and everything else. But why don't you tell us how how this has touched your life and what you're doing about it? Well, first of all, now, I just want to thank you for having me. You are also, you are my role model. You are, you are, you are my rock star. I mean, you or someone like you said, talk, you know, walks the talk. I mean, you've changed your life and, you know, the fact that you're here empowering other women to do what you were able to do and so much more. I mean, it just means so much to me. And, and I love your transparency and your honesty. And, and, and isn't that all that we can do is just be honest and transparent with our lives. And, and, I, and that is really why I'm talking. I'm really getting out there now to talk about love addiction. I'm besides having a book coming out next year called the marriage and relationship junkie, I really needed to just come out with my story. Um, when I wrote The Law of Sobriety, I really was into the law of attraction, and I was working with recovering addicts, you know, and I was on celebrity rehab, and I really wanted to to show people another path towards recovery, um, and that was why I brought in the law of attraction into the book, The Law of Sobriety, and that was great, 
But what I really didn't hit on was my eternal truth, and that is that I really am a love addict and I really am a codependent. Um, I am in recovery. I have my relapses, um, like anybody that's in recovery. Um, and I, I want to really help people understand that love addiction isn't just a label. It's some, it's really early trauma for many people, especially me. And I always share this story because I never know if somebody new will hear my story, but I was in an incubator for two and a half months. And it, when you're in your, I'm in my fifties, I was born in 59. And in those days they didn't allow moms to hold you because they were afraid you would get germs. And I'm just going to pick up my little dog here. He's going to, he's going to be in the interview. She's going to be in the interview too. That's fine. Um, we're pet friendly. That's right. And she's my little, my little trauma dog. But, um, you know, basically not to have that early attachment, not to have that early bonding. We know how important early attachment is. You know, you think about the Romanian children that lived in orphanages and then they got adopted later and had behavioral problems. Well, I never had a, a name for my, my problem. My problem was, you know, if you leave me, I'm going to feel empty. If you leave me, I'm going to feel abandoned. I'm going to feel, I mean, when I was a kid growing up, my brother would would go, you know, my parents would go out and my brother would be like, bye-bye. And I'd be like, don't go, don't go. And that was really at the core love addiction, this feeling of separation that you are going to make me feel okay. And if you leave me, I'm not going to be okay. And it all really was based on early, early trauma. So I talk a lot about, you know, let's look at your life. Were you neglected? Were you abandoned? Did you have alcoholic parents that were unavailable? Were you abused? Did you go through a parent's divorce? Were you parentified? Did your parents treat you like little adults? And so my story is simply I came from a pretty pretty normal household, but that early trauma led to love addiction and has led to many, many relationships that did not work out because on it, quite honestly, I was probably in most of them for the wrong reasons. Now. Love addiction. <laughs> love it. Love addiction and sex addiction. Two different things. Yes. 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 Very different. Because most the, people don't understand that. Yeah, the sex is about a physical act. The love is about needing that connection to feel whole and complete. You you said it perfectly now. I mean, love addiction, I'm going to just kind of take a look at my notes a little bit because it helps. Um, even though I know the subject, but you know how it is. Um, love addiction, it's a process addiction. It's not like a substance addiction, but it does the same thing to your brain. There's this, there's this chemical high that occurs when you come close to me, when I, when I think that I, you know, that you want me, it's the same idea as a heroin fix or an alcohol, you know, drink. Um, it's very similar to binge eating and gambling and food addictions and shopping and dating addictions. It means becoming addicted to a, a mood altering activity and behavior which it again it creates this idyllic euphoric effect yes, it brings right. that same feeling that same rush that same excitement and um if something ends then you get that same withdrawal just like you would from heroin or alcohol it's the same idea you know you need that thing to make you feel good so a lot of what i did and a lot of what other love addicts do is that before one door is closed i'm opening up i'm opening up a new one but i'm opening up the wrong door because i haven't worked on myself i'm trying to replace this person for the next person anything to avoid me and um, i've done a lot of work on myself and i'm a work in progress i still have those relapses where i i go hmm you know maybe i don't want to be alone and then i 
then I have to say, wait, wait a minute, you know, what is your goal here? What is it you really want? And, the, and I'm really being honest here because I really want to help that person out there listening to this audio who might be struggling and don't understand why they're struggling. Sherry, I think a lot of women are love addicts and, and haven't been diagnosed. I would yeah. have to say that I'm a love addict because through my life, I have used men to make me feel complete about myself. And if I had them in a relationship with me, then I was whole. And if they weren't in a relationship with me, I was worthless. Well, I think it isn't all our faults, and, and I don't mean to blame fault on anyone or blame or shame anybody or anything, but it is our culture. It is still, and that's why I'm writing this book about marriage and relationship addiction, because I think women are still being, uh, we're still being bought that, that idea that without a man, you're nothing, without a partner, you're nothing. I mean, if you look at all of the, the pop culture, Cinderella, and I'm, you know, the Twilight series, they all have this hero, you know, this, this, this man, you know, or whatever, or monster or whatever it is that that's going to sweep you up and make your life whole. And so we're still teaching kids this idea that you are not whole unless you have somebody else. So it isn't really all, it's not just us. It's all around us. You know, and how often are you invited, Mal, to go out with other couples as a single woman? I mean, seriously. Right. I mean, but I was zero. a single mother. Exactly. I was a single mother for years. I never got invited to things. My daughter and I were never included in those Halloween walks, you know, for Halloween, getting candy because they didn't want a single woman, you know, with around their husbands. I mean, it was crazy. And I'm not saying that all married people are like that. But this is the culture that we live in. There's a lot of fear. And, and then we end up getting ostracized. And, you know, believe it or not, actually single fathers are treated a lot better than single mothers. You know, the women are like, what can I do? I can't do enough for you. But right. if you're a single mother, forget about it. Um, and I think it still exists. And um, it can feel, you can feel like an outsider. And if you already have sort of that disease of, codependency or that feeling of emptiness already that you're struggling with or working on it's it's really easy to get back into another relationship yeah. you know so um what do we ha we have there's a lot of things we can do though to stay to stay true to ourselves um i uh i you get you gotta you have to do things that you love that bring you joy that bring you passion i mean i took up canoeing uh four years ago yeah. absolutely yeah. love it when i'm in the water it is meditation it's it's tranquility, it's peace, it's it's truth. And um, you got to find something in your life that brings you to that place. Yeah. So you mentioned the trauma, the, obviously being an infant and being in an incubator. What other kinds of trauma can, can bring this love addiction on? Well, um, I mentioned a couple, but I'll, I'll mention them again, and then I'll you know maybe um, add a couple more. But, I mean, it could be anything from divorce, a broken home, your parents neglected you. They were addicts themselves. They weren't emotionally or physically available. So you never got what you needed. And so what you're trying to do is fill that craving outside yourself later on. You never got that initial bonding, that initial attachment, that initial, you know, parents are, you know, they're, the, they're, they're what determines how you're going to feel about yourself, what you get or don't get from them. So what you're saying here is this starts in childhood pretty much. I believe that it does. I believe it's early trauma wounds. Okay, early childhood. Interesting. So Absolutely. it's nothing from, you know, somebody 21, 23, they get their heart broken. Um, 
Um, I would say that there, no, that, that's not true. I think that later on you can also have love addiction if you have, a, you know, some, some experiences in life like being, you know, um, exactly what you just said, having someone break up with you, multiple losses, somebody dying. I mean, I, I think the majority that this is just my opinion come from early, early trauma. But yes, I think that you can still be someone that creates a love addiction later on in life because you've been hurt. I mean, I see single women and men all the time in my office that, that, you know, they're on these apps, they get addicted to these dating apps, they get addicted to dating sites. And really, it's, it's love addiction. And these, these sites, these apps, are causing that euphoric high. Oh, somebody's contacted me. Somebody wants me. Oh, oh, oh. And then they, they're starting over with this whole love addiction cycle. Oh, oh. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy out there. Okay, so what does somebody do once they recognize they're caught in the throes of this? And... Obviously, there's a lot of pain every time you go through one of these episodes where that love's pulled away from you and then you're left and you've got to deal with it. So what are the treatment options for something like this? So there's some amazing meetings out there. There's um, 12 step meetings, codependent anonymous, love and sex addict anonymous meetings. Um, I'm a member of another program which helps me deal with a couple of issues. Um, I'm in Al-Anon, which is when you love somebody that's an addict or alcoholic, but it also is a program of focusing on yourself. If you are strictly a love addict um, and don't have an addict in your family, I'm not going to recommend Al-Anon. I'm going to recommend um, that you seek therapy, that you seek a sex and love addict anonymous meeting or a codependency meeting. It starts with awareness. It starts with waking up and realizing, oh my God, I have fallen asleep into another one of these relationships. That's how insidious it is. I mean, you could be going along just fine and then before you know it, you're back into one of these relationships because it feels so good. It feels so good to nest. It feels so good to, to get those goodies of having somebody give you that attention. And then before you know it, you're back and you don't even know the person. You just like the goodies. You don't have even given yourself a chance. That is one thing I want to say is if you're dating, get to know these people. Don't move them in so fast. Don't sleep with them so fast. Don't don't pretend that you're you're playing house when you're not playing house. You know, I mean, that's 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 how this insidious disease will play on you. It's like the, the alcoholic that goes to the bar. Oh, I can go to a bar. Not a problem. And then you start seeing, you know, them opening the wine and, you you know, you're watching somebody, you know, shake the margarita, whatever. Before you know it, you're, you're drinking again. It's the same with love addiction. You've got to be really careful, you know, really stay awake and stay aware. Other things, um, stop looking for external solutions for your, to, to uh, deal with your problems. Explore your personal fears. Um, try to get out of denial. Denial is huge. Mm -hmm. You know, when I had the relapse where I let this person back in my life, it was, it was about denial again. It was, it was like pretending, pretending that everything is okay when it wasn't okay, just to feel uh, that void. But if the person is not abusive, if the relationship wasn't abusive, it's not difficult to fall back into something <laughs> with someone when it's not when it wasn't bad in the first place, even though it may be an addictive situation. Well, let me just put it to you this way. A very important aspect of all this is know your boundaries. Mm -hmm. When I let this person back into my life, I had 
I had boundaries that I needed this person to abide by that were my boundaries. This person crossed those boundaries. So what I should have done is to allow it to unfold before I, you know, was got swooped up again to see if these boundaries were going to be adhered to. And unfortunately I didn't do that. I I got myself back into that, that cycle and you know, I'm going, wait a minute, he didn't do this and he didn't do this and he didn't do this. And the bottom line is I could have accepted that he didn't do this, this and this, and then we could be fine. But if I'm going to walk around resentful and angry and want all this change, then that's a waste of his time and a waste of mine. So very important to know your boundaries. So I don't know if that answered your question. I mean, I think what you're trying to do is give me a break and say it's easy to get back into something <laughs> where where it's not abusive. You know, I think that's a I think that's a, a situation that most women can fall into. You know. Well, I think that what I love what you're saying, and if we want to get really deep here and really dig 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 deeper, is that we're just human and we get lonely. And you know what? I had a slip of loneliness. Even though I created this fabulous life, you know, I have a great job. I have I have a new granddaughter. I I'm doing canoeing. I, everything is really going great. But we're human now, right? Mm-hmm. And we get lonely sometimes. Yeah. And so, whoever's listening to this, don't beat yourself up. It's not about blame or shame. It's just, you know what? Sometimes it just gets lonely. So, what can I do to to remind myself who am I and where will I be living my most truth? Is loneliness really enough of a reason to bring somebody back into your life? Or to just be with anybody for that matter? So how does a woman decide? I mean, you're very clear that you brought somebody back into your life and it was an addictive situation. How does a woman decide who's bringing a man back into her life that she's stepping back into an addictive situation? She may not even be aware of it. You know, she may say, oh, I broke up with him. Now he's back. I think it's about being aware and being present and not being in denial and and asking yourself, is this person crossing my boundaries? Am I really happy? Am I being true? Am I pretending? Am I pretending here? Am I numbing out the truth? Um, I have an 80-year-old mother. My father died, and uh, she'll never hear this interview, so I'm just going to share it. And she couldn't be alone. And it's it's really a family illness. My grandmother had four husbands. My my dad, my mother had a love story with my dad. He died two years ago. She brought someone in his in her life because she could not be alone. And she will be the first one to tell you that. And and we don't really we're not really thrilled with him. But you know what? She couldn't be alone. That's love addiction. Now she's eighty, so I don't know. You know what can I what can you say? I I, I don't know. But, Let her be happy. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? She's actually happy, even though we see what's going on. That's just what it is. But that is love addiction because she didn't want to look at who this person is. Mm-hmm. She didn't want to listen to her children who were saying, Mom, are you really sure you want to bring this person into your life? She She's really very aware that she doesn't want to be alone. So anything that is that, that we don't like about him or that she doesn't like about him doesn't matter. I don't want to be alone. I mean, that's how powerful love addiction is. And and what's really amazing is they talk about, you know, alcoholism being a family disease. Does anybody really talk about love addiction being a family disease? Because it absolutely is a disease in my family, going up to my grandmother and probably great grandmothers. That is interesting. So I mean, it's and it's 
it's real and it's insidious and we have to be present to it. And we also have to say, okay, I got it. It's a love addiction. And I'm a human. And sometimes I'm going to feel lonely. And I need to have compassion for myself. And I need to live in the gratitude of what I do have. Because when you live in the gratitude of what you do have, even if it's not perfect, even if you still want love, you have a really good chance, I believe, of allowing more love into your life. I see it all the time. I have girlfriends that are in really great relationships. They really worked on themselves. They allowed, they allowed the goodness to come to them. They did enough time getting to really be okay with themselves that, you know what? Good people showed up. And, and some don't want anyone to show up. Some are perfectly happy not having anyone in their life. And that's okay, too. And I think you've made a very strong point here. Women need to be happy with themselves. And that's a process that I have spent the last two years doing, girl, is being very comfortable, being alone, not dating, being happy with me, with my dog, visiting grandchildren, and being really content with just me. That's when you never know if you're looking for it, it just may show up because you're in a really good place. And you know, Mal, you can feel it. Like I said, before we got on the call, I see, you know, I do, we don't talk all the time, but I see your posts and I see your life and I see what's important to you and what you value. And you can tell that you're really shining. And I, it's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. I it, can took, just feel it. it was not an easy process. It, it, it took some work, you know, and as, as you well know, I mean, women, need to learn, I think, that we have to work on ourselves. And what does that mean? It means educating ourselves about how to be happy, be independent, be understand that our self-worth is not defined by somebody else or something else happening in our lives, that our self-worth all starts here Nobody can take it away. Only we can. Right. And and to learn that. And I, and, I never and had that understanding my whole life. But really talk about that. Right now, this conversation is as real as it gets. I mean, let's have these conversations. Let's not shame these people that, you know, end up divorced or end up back with an addict or end up making another mistake or go into relapse over some guy, whatever. Let's stop shaming other women about their decisions and choices. Because we're just human. This is, you know, we're just people. We're just, we're all, you know, the bottom line is we're all doing the best we can every day. And we, we all want to feel that we have a connection with other people. Right. You know, um, I mean, that's part of life. It is part of life. And you've got to find connection. You don't want to be isolating. But, you know, there are people that may be listening to this call that are more sensitive, that are more empaths that need more downtime, that need more alone time, that's okay, you know? That, you know, shake it up a little once in a while and try to make connections. But if you need time to yourself, that's okay too. That's okay too. We're not all meant to be out there partying every night. So give me some suggestions, please, on what women can do. Uh, besides the meetings and all of that, uh, you know, I know you've talked about some affirmations and different things. What what are some things that women can do for themselves to help them with love addiction? Well, like I said earlier, I think it's really important to look at these childhood traumas. You know, get a really good therapist, not a, not a life coach. I mean, even though life coaches can be great, 
to help you move on with your life, but to look at those family of origin issues, you want to find a really great licensed therapist. Find someone that works in trauma, mm-hmm. someone that understands trauma, someone that does somatic experiencing or EMDR or any of or, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I know that yoga actually can be really good in healing and getting the energy out. I mean, basically trauma is where we're frozen, where we couldn't fight, we couldn't flee in our traumatic event, and so we froze. And that energy inside of us needs to come out. And so that's where you work with a seasoned practitioner that can help you get that energy out. I'm not talking about instant energy healing fixes or Reiki. I'm talking about real uh, real energy modalities like EMDR or somatic experiencing. Um, I'm hearing really good things about yoga um, to help people. You know, there are actually yoga specialists that can help you with trauma. That's something you can do. It's, it's really finding your inner child, doing some self-parenting, you know, um, becoming a loving, forgiving, and compassionate person to yourself. Um, you know, use, use the pain to grow and prepare for a healthy relationship and trust in yourself and let go and just let go, let go and let God. A lot of the things that we talk about in the recovery program of the 12 steps really works when it comes to love addiction. It absolutely does. And it's, it's acceptance, you know, acceptance of where you are right now. I talk about acceptance all the time, Sherry, because when we get caught with resisting what has happened to us and not accepting, you know, the present moment, what's going on, our realities, exactly what's happened. First of all, we get caught up and we can't forgive people, which just burns a hole in us and holds us hostage to the pain. And then that resistance completely depletes any positive energy in your body. It just it just sucks everything out of you. Absolutely. Well, that's where you know something isn't right if you can't accept what is. If you're with somebody and you're trying to change them or you want them to call you more, they want you want them to come home earlier or you don't like their children or you don't like their ex-wife or you wish that they would lose a few pounds. I mean, if you are if you're complaining all the time then you're just going to build resentment and more toxic energy inside of you and that relationship is doomed to to not to not work out. You've got to accept that person for who, who they are. If you cannot accept them, then you need to move on. And you need to give them the dignity to follow their path and to find somebody that's best for them, that will love them for exactly where they're at. Very nice point. When's your new book coming out? The new book will probably be out in the fall. I'm finishing it up with an editor. Um, it's really exciting because it's not only taking on love addiction, but it's taking on marriage addiction. A lot of young people today aren't actually getting married, including my daughter. She's not married, but she's in a really healthy relationship. They have a baby. Not with, A lot of modern women today or independent women are not feeling like the need to get married. But then there are still those that are dying to get married. You know, we still have wedding planners and, and the uh, you know somebody's going to sweep us sweep us off our feet and we're going to have the 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 white picket fence and all that and i'm really i'm not saying that marriage is a bad thing i'm just saying if you're going to get married let's do it for the right reasons let's not do it because we're buying into some cultural belief that that's the only thing that will make us happy i mean that's how i was raised i know things are changing you know i'm already up there in years you know (laughs) or whatever well i'm past you honey and i know i was raised the same way 
I mean, that's just the message we got. Like, you're not complete unless you're married or have, and and I, I bought into it. I bought into that story. And so what I hope to do with this book is create a new story, a new belief system. I'm not bashing anybody. I'm not bashing people that, that, that are married. I'm not, I'm just saying, let's look at our decisions. Let's really take a look at our decisions. Are we doing it because we're obsessed? Are we doing it because we're afraid to be alone, which was my issue? Are we doing it because we think there are no other options? Are we afraid to uh, maybe maybe you aren't uh, you're not able to look at your sexual identity and you know and you're you're not really taking ownership of who you are and you're buying into this script and um, you don't have to you know and and better to know that when you're younger. I mean, it's never too late. Don't get me wrong. It's never too late. But wouldn't it be great if these things were taught to us when we were young? Oh. Someone would have said, you have all these options. Could have eliminated. I, mean, I don't know about you. I was given two stories, which can make a person insane, which it did. I was told, you can do anything you want, but can you be like your mother, please? <laughs> I mean, what do you do with that? Right. I mean, what do you do with that? So I want to say, be whoever you want to be, not who your mother was, not who your aunt was, or your grandmother, or who that TV figure is, you know. And it goes even with um, mothers that pu- I see a lot of pushing in the schools, you know, with you know, you got to go to college and you got to you got to get great grades and you got to do this. Like, well, who said? Maybe you're going to be an artist. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's not who you are. You know, there's just a lot of pressure to be something other than who you really are. Um, And I've been seeing a lot of kids lately where that's a huge issue, where these young girls are just having so much anxiety because they're being pushed, you know, to be in the opposite direction. Oh, don't don't depend on a man, but you better be a lawyer one day or a doctor. Well, I mean, come on. Maybe she maybe that's not her path. Maybe that's your path. And parents are famous for projecting their paths onto their kids right right. and and it's it's it causes a lot of mental illness a lot of unrest a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress really i didn't know i was going to go there but that really i just started thinking about it like these poor young girls are just being either they're being pushed to get married or they're being pushed to be a perfect career person Maybe they want to be married, and they're not a career person. <laughs> let's just let's just meet people where they are. I like that. You have a free gift for our listeners. I do. I do. God bless I, you. Um, I, I do. Do I have time to do these affirmations with us? Yes, please. All right. So now I'm going to read them, and then you just repeat after me, okay? Okay. And, and listeners, why don't you repeat to these these affirmations? I think they're going to leave you in a really great vibration after this call. I am a lovable and valuable person. I'm a lovable and valuable person. I am deserving of a healthy partner. I'm deserving of a healthy partner. Who is capable of loving, respecting, respecting and honoring me as a person. Who is capable of loving and honoring me as a respectable person. That's close enough. enough. <laughs> That was pretty good, though. I like that. See how it changed my affirmations. Um, Withdrawal will not last forever. Withdrawal will not last forever. My needs and wants are important. My needs and wants are important. All my experiences contribute to my growth. All my experiences contribute to my growth. I'm learning to let go of dependencies on others. I'm learning to let go of dependencies on others. And relying on myself for happiness. 
and relying on myself for happiness. I've never said more true words. <laughs> Good. Well, I'll send you a copy of these. Yes. Um, two more. I walk away from toxic people. I walk away from toxic people. I create my own truth in love. I create my own truth and love. So how do you feel in your heart right now, Mal? Do you feel like a little fuller? I feel fuller. I feel centered. I feel like I've honored myself. And you're changing the wiring in your brain. That's what affirmations will do. I mean, yeah. they're, they're not just a silly little Saturday night, like, Saturday night live skit. They really right. do change the way you see things and feel things. And um, I highly recommend coming up with your own affirmations that help you to get through whatever pain you're dealing with. Thank you. Wonderful. You're yeah, the free gift is a, an ebook I wrote called Filling the Empty Heart. Um, so you would go to, okay, I'm going to read the website. I don't know if you can put that somewhere. I will put it in the notes as well. Okay, so it's Sherry Gaba, S H E R R Y G A B A dot com forward slash love dash addiction dash quiz forward slash. SherryGaba.com forward slash love dash addiction dash quiz forward slash so you take the quiz and then you get this free ebook and it's not only about what the love addiction is but how to use the law of attraction to create um a healthy life for yourself oh i love that also will you email me that link so i make sure that i have it right for the show notes yes absolutely and great. keep up what you're doing mal you're uh, really you're a great example you you're you know i love people that that walk the talk oh thank you girl it's always an honor uh, and thank you for being so open and real with us. That's just uh, yeah, amazing. only way to be. Yep, I so appreciate it. You're welcome. Much happiness, sweetie. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Awakening Divine Wildness. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And please leave a favorable review at iTunes. Be sure to visit Maldwain.com for Mal's six-part video series, Heal Your Wounded Heart and Reclaim Your Worth.